in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live. Awesome. Welcome, guys, to our fourth live wheelhouse show. I am super excited about today's show. Uh, I'm already seeing a bunch of viewers are starting to view this. We got two incredible guests, Evan Shy and MJ Tam, on today. But just wanted to let you guys know keep sharing. Keep liking, keep commenting. We really appreciate the love. Every week, John and I are getting more and more people reaching out saying they love the clips, they were influenced, we gave them great advice, our guests gave them great advice. I don't have much great advice to give anybody, but our guests always do. Um, so I want to introduce John again, as always. He's our producer and director. Can they see you, John? Still Hello. Brick wall. Yes, here I am. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? Mo, how are you feeling? Good. Um, I'm excited for today. I definitely do not have the biggest biceps in the room anymore with Evan here. I feel I was going to wear short, a short sleeve shirt today, and I decided against it. I said, you know what? Everyone saw all these pictures of me with my uh, transformation, and they think I'm in shape. And then Evan shows up, and I definitely don't feel in shape now. Well, you look good, my man. Thank you. We're matching, too. Both wearing purple, me and you. Well, it's the color royalty. I feel like I should unbutton one of my buttons, but I don't have an undershirt. <laughs> that's, that's, the that's, the, that's the point. Evan's like, Evan's like, take your shirt off. We're just going to get shirtless here. Not that kind of show, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> well, our viewership would go up. The ladies would be watching. That's true. That's true. Um, what's going on with you, buddy? Not much, man. Just working, looking forward to today's show. I do got a quick shout out. Shout out? Yep. Give me one second here. There we go. We got. Wheelhouse technical uh, oh, difficulties. So, right. I got to fix it and talk at the same time. Uh, I got a buddy who's turning two times 25. Ronnie, if you're out there, happy birthday, buddy. We'll catch up this weekend and I will see you soon. 50, Mom, I'm huh? throw it back to you. 50 years old, huh? Good for him. No, not 50. Not two 50. times 25. Two times 25? Absolutely. Hey, I, I, I can do a few things well in addition is maybe one of them. Yeah, embrace the 50. 50 is the new 30, right? Sure. So I'm going to introduce our first guest because we have a ton of stuff to talk about. I'm actually going to read part of his bio. He told me don't read the whole thing, so I'm not going to read it because we have an hour and it would take two hours to read all the incredible stuff this guy's done. We've known each other for a long time. We lived in the same building. I met this guy in 2006. In 2010, he started Chi-Town Fitness, watching it evolve from what it started at to what he's doing today with a company that he's launching called High Tide, which actually has already launched, um, has been incredible. I can't wait to hear from him. He's been on basically every news station in the Chicagoland area. He trains people all across the country, maybe even across the world. I'll sure. ask him that. Um, he's written a book. He went back to school to do a PhD program. This guy is literally one of the most impressive entrepreneurs I know. He's also the most in-shape guy I know, so can't wait to chat with him. Evan? That's your introduction. Yeah, What's going man. on? Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on. So, a couple of things. Um, what is so? I didn't want to explain what High Tide was. I'm going to let you explain sure. High Tide to everybody because there's a lot of moving pieces with it. What's High Tide? Yeah. So High Tide is kind of the, the natural. 
natural evolution that has been Chi Town over the past you know ten years or so, um, where we were providing trainers to individuals throughout the city of Chicago, where we would go into their homes and their buildings and provide one-on-one -on -one consultations, nutrition consultations, fitness classes, etc. Um, as we kind of evolved from there, we started launching technology where we could help these individuals even if they're on the road, so traveling professionals, etc. Um, what naturally and what was you know evidently clear as we were trying to help more people and our audience was kind of growing you know nationally is that there was this huge portion of their day and of their life that we weren't providing that same solution and that was work. So we started kind of you know applying our technology, the Chitown mobile app, to corporate wellness programs, and um, and it. it hit off right so we had a really good response employees were you know really enjoying it it was a unique way to engage even remote employees which increasingly amount of the workforce is you know remote working from right. home um, so it was a nice way to kind of extend the benefits beyond the office um, because of that you know response we w wanted to actually invest in developing an entirely new platform where we could handle thousands of employees instead of just you know several hundred with the Chi-Town mobile app. Um, so what we're doing now is building a new platform which is high tide, right? And focus specifically on bringing on huge amounts of health data where we can prescribe nutrition and exercise as a result of that. And we'll run corporate wellness programs for companies throughout Chicago and the country. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think you, you, the mindset behind it touches on such a big point. And I think a lot of people who reached out to me before the show and they're like, we want to listen to Evan. We have a lot of questions for Evan. Kind of falls back on that. Yeah, that missing piece where people are at work most of their lives. It also happens to be the big excuse for most people. When I sure. lost all that weight, um, when I lost all that weight, I'm going to move Evan's mic. I'm too short to see over Evan's mic. Is that what you're saying over there, John? Um, so... Most people's excuse is, well, I work too much. I can't stay in shape. I don't have time to work out. And I realized that myself recently. I lost you know, 33 pounds, a third of my body fat. And I always had the excuse, I'm working 100-hour work weeks. I don't have time. That's A, not true. And B, I could have been making smarter choices while I'm working. Sure. That would have helped my health and fitness. Um, what's kind of uh, – let's just go into some tips, I guess, and then I'll come back and we'll chat about Chi-Town a bit. I know a lot of our listeners, they travel a lot or they work a lot. I know John, um, John's girlfriend, Maggie, travels quite a bit. Um, she works in the airline industry. And I think the airline industry um, is one where people are traveling a ton, but also uh, professionals. They travel quite a bit and they don't have the time to work out. What's a couple quick tips for somebody who is working all day to stay healthy, at least with their diet. And then we'll talk about kind of the fitness side of things. Yeah, I, I think with the diet, there's a, a number of things. And I, I feel like we can spend a, a whole hour hours. probably talking about that. I, I think one thing that people need to first kind of understand is in order to make any kind of meaningful fitness change or progress, you don't have to completely transform your life, right? These little incremental changes actually make a huge and in some cases exponential impact, right? Um, so I think understanding, for, first from an exercise standpoint, let me start there, that you don't need these, you know, 
hour long in the gym, you know, all out intensity, um, you know, cardio sessions and weight training. You really just need these like short periods of, you know, we talked off air, 15 to 20 minutes of high intensity exercise that really provides the sufficient, you know, response to actually get a really big bang for your buck um, in terms of exercise. And then from a nutrition perspective, it's figuring out like little solutions, whether that's meal delivery, um, you know, prep your meals on the weekend, have it, you know, ready for you during the week, little things like that, I think can go a long way. Yeah, I did that. I started prepping my meals because, and you taught me this. So for those of you listening, I've been working out with Evan in some capacity. A was one-on-one when he was training one-on-one and then he got really busy and he's doing all this great entrepreneur stuff. But I started using his Chi-Town workouts to kind of guide myself. But it was very much getting in the habit of not making excuses that I can't find good things to eat. So I started meal prepping and I, I was using a meal delivery uh, source for a little while. Yep. And then, you know, I live with my girlfriend, Jamie. So we really were making enough meal to go around for two people. So I started prepping. And I think that was a big, big key to my success was just keeping my diet in check. Well, I think you become a little bit more conscious of what it is that you're eating too. And what you want to do is remove these situations where you're making meal decisions in these like highly volatile emotional states, right? You're stressed out. Your physiology is actually responding. Your blood sugar is dropping a little bit. You're getting all these, you know, responses to go eat a lot of carbs or sugar, tacos, not exactly the best uh, meal options. So I think that's a big one. One thing that we'll do even with some of the companies that we partner with. Um, we have a partnership with Kitch Fix, which is a meal delivery company here that works with the Cubs, some you cool. know, large organizations. They will, um, so the employees that have access to our mobile application, and we provide custom nutrition plans, um, they can actually select certain meals to have delivered to them at their office, right? Wow. So it's super you know, cool, convenient uh, partnership that we have with Kitch Fix, which has been transformative for a lot of people. Is it pricey? Um, you know, we actually have it down to about $10, $11 per meal, which that's because of the partnership that we have, the kind of consistency that we're, we're driving. That's so inexpensive. I, I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, 10 bucks, three meals a day or four meals a day. Try to go to Whole Foods oh, for sure. and, and pick up a day's worth of food for $30. For sure. no, no chance. And Whole Foods is just kind of set up in a way where you just go back there multiple times a day. Too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you're not like grocery shopping in the traditional sense. You no. Know? Um, so there's no question. For me, I almost entirely, you know, meal preparation makes up my entire diet. I mean, I'm always eating prepared meals at this do point. Do they deliver only in the city or will they do burbs too? They'll do burbs as well. Um, yeah, so certainly an option, especially you know for what we'll do with these offices because there's so many people in a small location. That's why we're able to kind of bring the price point down a little bit um, and because of some of the logistics that we handle. But it's been... I mean, a game changer for a lot of people, for sure. Oh, I'm going to get on it right away. Because yeah. at that price point, it's, it's almost silly not to for do sure. that. Now, can you, you can customize your meals a little bit. to Like, when I did it last time, there's some things I just don't love eating. I'll eat almost anything but peanut butter and olives. <laughs> like, I just don't like peanut butter. I like peanuts. I don't like peanut butter. It's weird. I think I was traumatized as a kid in kindergarten. They forced me to have it. That's a totally different story. I hated it. But I'll eat most things. But there's just some things that I don't love eating. So you can customize kind of your meal. For sure. Prep. There's definitely variety there. I think that's the benefit of using like a chef prepared, you know, meal service kind of thing. With you, I know you kind of gravitate towards, and I'm kind of similar, uh, 
um, simplicity and like straightforward. I remember a lot of times, you know, uh, Mo would be posting about the Chi Town diet, showing pictures of his fridge, like <laughs> an avocado good. and egg whites. And I'm like, I swear, this is not the Chi Town diet. This yeah. is just Mo's diet. Yeah, Mo's version uh, of the Chi Town <laughs> diet. But uh, yeah, so variety is not inherently a bad thing, although in some cases it can actually work against you. But, you know, that's yeah. a whole nother diet strategy perspective. You, you touched on something, though. For me, that first diet you kind of made for me, and you were you were basically bodybuilding at the time. So yeah. you were a, a fitness competitor and, you know, you were eating so insanely clean and it wasn't necessarily like the most appetizing thing. And your app, I followed, it has much more appetizing and you actually break it down this much of this, put that much of this in there. And there's some really appetizing meals in there. But I just realized, and it's with business even, if I have a task at hand and my task was to lose the most weight I could, yep. I'm going to take the maybe the most difficult, but the most direct route to where I'm going. And for me, it was six egg whites, half an avocado. Yep. You know, I was having a, a protein shake. And then at lunch, I'd have some chicken and as a ton of greens. And then, you know, I'd work out, maybe have another shake or a snack. And then I would at night have salmon and greens. And it was rinse and repeat, rinse yeah. and repeat. Habit forming. Habit forming. Now, I know that I probably can't keep that sort of eating forever. So what I love about what you guys do is you build systems that are able to stay consistent for a long period of time. Because anybody can go crazy for two weeks, three weeks, sure. a month, maybe six weeks. But after that, you have to do something that you can continuously do for a long period of time. For right? sure. Yeah, I think everything we do... Um, First of all, we recognize that there are, you know, time constraints on, on goals for certain people. There are, you know, certain things that people want to accomplish in a certain time period. Maybe it's a wedding or a vacation or something like that. But without, you know, um, any variation, we are always considering how we're going to help you sustain that progress over time. And I think there's a number of different tactics and strategies we have that we've learned over the years that we can subtly kind of work in there, even if that's just kind of teaching you first principle aspects of dieting. Things, you know, tools and mental models with which you can always use moving forward that aren't dependent on whether or not you have access to only egg whites or something, right? right? Um, how to eat properly when you're, you know, at a party or, you know, at an event or things like that, that I think you can kind of always fall back on. One thing you taught me a long time ago was I control what I eat in those settings. So make the right choices when I'm out on a business launch or I'm out with people. And I became very good at controlling where we were going. For sure. So if somebody says, Hey, we want to go get lunch someplace. I'll say, great, we're not going someplace fast food. I'll go someplace where it's, you know, I can get sushi or someplace and I'll look at the menu and then book it. It's got a salad that doesn't seem like it's going to be too unhealthy. So I've become very good at controlling where I go to eat, not letting somebody else set that place up for me. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 that's another misconception so many people have. It's like, well, I'm, you know, in a social setting, I'm in a, a business, you know, event you should apply the pressure and not feel it, right? And right. you have so many opportunities throughout, you know, scheduling the event to actually, you know, get your input in there and determine where it is that you're going. You can make sure that you're surrounding yourself in an environment that at least makes it as easy as possible to stay on the path that you've set forth. Love it. Let me go all the way back to when you started yeah. Chi-Town, little entrepreneur piece of this. 
How did you know, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, how did you decide to be kind of an entrepreneur and start Chi-Town? Because I remember seeing you at Holmes Place at 512 McClurg. You used to work out. You were sure. in good shape. And then it went from that to Chi-Town. And then Chi-Town took this trajectory that was like skyrocketed. I know you did a lot of hard work to get it to where sure. it was. And everybody always looks, and I said this a few weeks ago, at the end product of a successful entrepreneur, there's a video online that I love because there's a car in it and I love cars. <laughs> this guy, Patrick Bed David, talks about this kind of end product of a successful guy. So everybody probably looks at you as like, holy smokes, he's so successful. I know you've worked really hard, but what was kind of the the deciding point that you're going to be your own business owner? Yeah. You know, for me, I have to tell you that it wasn't as much this continuous evolution as much as just like my innate wiring. Right. So, um, you know, growing up in terms of how I kind of set myself on a path for fitness unknowingly, um, physicality and fitness was always a part of my life, right? Parents, um, you know, played, my dad played in the NFL, uncle played in the NFL and the MLB on my mom's side. So sports was always Good a genetics. part of, of, of what, you know, is very natural part of our, our life. Um, as you know, normal as having a cup of coffee kind of deal, um, in terms of exercising on a regular basis. So that was fortunate, you know, for me to kind of always have as a part of my, you know, regular routine. But, it also became kind of tied to who I was as a person, you know, um, the physical side of things. And then once I, you know, went into college, my uh, family was in construction and development. And I knew that I wanted to, you know, start a company. I wasn't playing sports anymore. I had a lot of time on my hands. I kind of lost you know, a, a sense of who I was when I lost that, that sports, you know, the, the physical component of, of what I was doing. So I started a construction and development company at that time. I was about 18, 19 years old. And, you know, for a number of different reasons, economy was fantastic. Again, the connections from my, my parents and my family, um, you know, we, the trajectory was, was pretty nice there, uh, as well. So initially it was kind of, jaded to some degree at a young age, making good money, um, you know, totally uh, misunderstanding of, of how you kind of stumble on success. What I realized quickly there was that, you know, I was still miserable, right? Like I was doing something that I wasn't genuinely passionate about. Um, so the entrepreneurship side was always a direction I was going to go. Looking for jobs, working for another company, it just it was never something I was going to, to fall, back, fall back on. You know, I just needed to kind of forge my own path. So when you saw me at the gym, that was right after I had sold my construction company, fortunately, just before like 2008. Had a lot of time on my hands, spending a ton of time at the gym. And some of the guys at, at Holmes Place were still to this day some of the best trainers I've ever been around. And for whatever reason, they recruited me in to you know, work with them. I started training, admittedly at first, it was just a hobby, you know, it was something kind of fun. I, I couldn't take it seriously at the time as a profession that was going to provide any kind of true economic benefit at some point, right? Which at that time was my true north, right? How can I be as successful as possible in the conventional sense? But fortunately, you know, I, I think that um, because I was so 
you know, interested in it and, and passionate about it, I think is, is something that kind of evolved. Um, the economic success kind of followed suit after that. And I think that that helped reinforce and it was kind of this snowball effect where, okay, I'm going this direction. I really enjoy what I'm doing on a daily basis. Um, and now the economic part of the equation is fueling the kind of life that I, that I want to, you know, but I think there's, you know, a couple important lessons there, but one in particular, I remember during that time, um, as clear as that path, like seemed to kind of just naturally unfold, there was a lot of soul searching going on a lot of, okay, I know I need to, you know, everyone's telling me I need to find something I'm passionate about. Every book I read is telling me, you know, find your passion. And I, I don't think that that's the right way to go about it. I think it can be a little daunting because I don't think that passion is just inherently lurking inside of you, right? You have these areas of interest and focus on a couple of areas of interest at that young age, invest time in it, and the passion comes as a process, right? Just notice how you feel when you're engaging in those areas of interest. And then as you kind of continue down that path, I think that's where passion really comes in. You know what's awesome about you is you, your passion, A, exudes out of you. You can see how passionate you are about what you do and what you love to do, but you're constantly learning. So I, I think I mentioned it at the beginning of this. You actually went, I, when you went back to school, for a PhD and then you wrote a book, you were super successful as an entrepreneur. But it was that passion that kind of just fueled, you enjoyed what you did, so then you wanted to learn more about it, which has kind of evolved you into knowing so much more than you did even back then. And the only other person I know that's ever been that successful, personally known, and then gone back to school was actually my dad. He was a practicing surgeon and he wanted to open his own business and he went and got an MBA. I remember as a kid, I was a young kid, my dad going to school again and I'm like, why is my dad going to school? Yeah. And this is weird. But he wanted to learn more about what he was about to do. What made you, and this, this to me is, a, is fascinating, what made you, I, I'm big on learning. I, I read a lot, I read so much more now than I ever did as a student. But I, I read things that I think are gonna help me evolve what I'm doing. What made you take a huge leap and then go back and learn so much more? Yeah, um, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. I think there are definitely some parallels that, um, there are definitely some parallels that exist between what we both had kind of witnessed our, our fathers doing, I think, yeah. that have translated to, to the way we, we kind of operate now. Um, but in terms of me going back to school, it had much less to do with this like grand plan um, of why I needed some kind of academic credentials. As you pointed out, the path that I was on, um, there of course were obstacles you know, in the way or things that I needed to uh, do or accomplish in order to keep moving forward. But going back and getting a degree or a piece of paper effectively is how I'm calling it. it. It wasn't one of those things, right? But one of the things that kind of was happening during this time period of growing Chi-Town, and as you know, I was traveling a lot and seeing different parts of the world, et cetera, um, the way in which I just view the world and more specifically my place in it um, had changed quite dramatically where it wasn't all about this kind of means to an end or, you know, how am I getting to some final destination? It was much more about all I am 
is this you know consciousness this experience of today and right now and what i do know is that when i'm challenging myself when i'm setting myself on a path to continue to grow and that i feel that tomorrow can be even better than it is today but i'm enjoying the heck out of today right love it it's that kind of mentality that it continues to guide me. So if you see like what my morning routine is to kind of materialize a to-do list, you know, it's kind of a process I go through every day. It's much less about these, you know, 10-year plans, if you will, or for instance, you know, even when I was talking to my board of directors or, you know, previous uh, people I worked with in, in other companies, you know, a classic kind of conversation and framing that people want to hear is, you know, what is your 10-year plan? What is your five-year plan, et cetera? And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I've never yet seen this, you know, someone who can accurately predict the future. It's just kind of always on some right. spectrum of like projection, right? Um, and I now finally, because of some of the things I've accomplished, I'm, I'm in a, I'm confident enough to, you know, push back on, on questions like that because that's just not how I live and I, and how I have been successful is by rejecting that kind of, you know, I'm just thinking about the future. Me and my team are obsessively focused on growing today. I love it. And taking 1% forward every single day. You don't sleep very much. I know that. <laughs> so you're like me. So I want to bring on our second guest in a second, but and we're going to tag yeah. you back in too. But a couple quick pieces of advice, because somebody had asked me this beforehand, and, and people ask me this all the time, Mo, you, you don't sleep. How do you get sleep? How do you have energy throughout the day? You work you know, four or five different jobs. I now sleep about six hours a night. I control that. Again, a kind of a lesson you had, you had taught me was you control how much you sleep. So if I know I got to be up at eight and I want to sleep six hours, I'm going to bed at two. And I have a ritual in that I unplug a little bit before, and this is going to sound crazy and my guy friends are going to make fun of me, but I take an Epsom salt bath, which kind of calms me down and nice. I'll kind of read some stuff, look at some stuff and then go to sleep. So my mind is shutting itself down because entrepreneurs, especially people who are keep trying to evolve, your mind is always <laughs> racing. So how do you handle sleep and then any quick tips for people who feel like they just don't have energy because we had spoken about this before and you got some good energy tips too to keep your energy levels high yeah uh coffee um <laughs> <laughs> no but first of all in, in total fairness i mean i am far from mastering sleep for ex all the reasons that you just you know outlined um i i don't get a ton of i probably get about four or five hours of sleep a night um Although I feel fine, that might be just because my new normal is operating at about 65, 75% throughout the day. I would argue that sleep is profoundly important and, and you should be working to, to get more of it for sure. Um, but I think my routine resembles to some degree um, how you kind of just outlined it. I no longer will bring my laptop into the bed or even be really answering emails in bed. I think that's just a, an absolutely dangerous you know, thing to do. It's a slippery slope. Um, but even so after I go to sleep, um, typically I'll read almost always I'll read right before going to sleep in a particular kind of, of reading. There's certain kind of content that I'm not reading right before and nothing motivational, nothing that's going to steer me up, Get a you up bit. and running again, you know, basically nothing business related at all. Um, that's interesting. More from like a philosophy standpoint. Um, you know, some, we can dive into some of those books later, but, um, and then I'll have my phone. 
just out of like arm's reach, right? So I don't want to be able to wake up in the middle of the night and check my phone for anything. I mean, because again, that will wake me up. Like the minute I am kind of stimulated in any way this morning, it happened at like 2.15 a.m., right? And I've been up since. Um, Shoot, you need a nap. It, well, you know, so because the minute I'm thinking about things that I could be doing to get okay, that 1%, right? Um, I am just up out of bed. Ashley, you know, always makes fun of me about it because I just wake up like excited. You <laughs> She's know? like, it go drives back her to crazy, sleep. right? Um, so, so that's that's one thing in terms of staying asleep. But then, conversely, waking up in the morning, I will grab my phone and I'll use it to my advantage, okay. right? So I'll sit there, I'll go through my routine, which is you know specifically structured in a, you know a way that's kind of getting my mind right, you know, setting my, my mental path in an organized way. Um, sometimes today, for instance, once I have a, you know, some time before I need to, to get going, I will start, you know, take that as an uh, opportunity to start reading some, some content that I haven't. Um, and then definitely some coffee or, you know, pre-workout even something. I like do the that. pre-workout. So yeah. I don't like coffee. I do the optimum nutrition Pre-workout, Pre-workout. It's my favorite. That's my go-to. Shake it up day in a water, right and then that's yeah. my. It's my wake-up. I'm with you. Same deal. I gotta keep my phone out of reach, but I have these little T-Rex arms, so I just have, <laughs> I just have to leave it on the ground, and I can't Doesn't reach it anymore. I'm like, oh, I can't get it. That's awesome. Uh, well, I'm gonna bring in our second guest because she's amazing too, and I can't wait to hear from her. MJ Tam is the founder and editor at Chicago Nista. She's also the co-host of Chicago Nista Live, which gets get this gets 18 million, yes, 18 million Twitter impressions during the one hour of her show. John, we got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> I think we got we have a lot of people. I think Evan, you're kind of breaking the wheelhouse record here. A lot of people are commenting and and, and listening. You might have a lot of females watching to see Evan's biceps here, but um, we got a lot of people. But we don't have 18 million. You also are a co-founder at Women Driving Excellence. I'm honored and a little bit nervous to have you on because you've done this sort of show very successfully, much more successfully than we have so far. Um, so I'm very excited to have you on. You're also an entrepreneur. I'm going to let you tell the viewers what Chicago Nista is and just kind of explain that and how it started. Sure. First of all, I love the transition with the no sleep. Yeah, because <laughs> you probably don't sleep very much either. You know that I don't know. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I need to change. But yeah. So, and I didn't know the requ- prerequisite was to have big biceps. So I, <laughs> I was watching. It wasn't. He's, he set that standard. <laughs> I apologize. But yeah, so ChicagoNista.com has been around for quite a while. Um, it is a site, uh, it's a blog site that we have uh, numerous writers writing about Chicago, our love of Chicago. So things that we find and, you know, places like yours is one of those things that we would probably feature, you know, great things about Chicago. We love Chicago. So, and with that, we have, we built, I built the Chicago Nista Live Show, which has come to life of Chicago Nista, partnered with some awesome women. We have Nancy Lou with the WGN News and, of course, Nan- uh, Beth Rosen, who was uh, been a podcaster for the longest I've known of, known from, so from NBC. So we have, you know, professionals who's working the microphones and all that stuff. But it's been uh, uh, many years that we've been doing this, and it's fun. It's everything's about Chicago, and we talk about 
pretty much everything. Think about Windy City Live, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of thing. But we've been around before Windy City Live. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but it, it's fun. It's a fun take. And, you know, it's, it's a little show that is pretty powerful. And one of the things is our major work is really is in social media and working around influencers. And you talked about women driving excellence, which is another um, kind of facet of what we have. But really behind all that is I run a digital marketing agency with Beth Rosen. And we specialize in digital videos for social. So we partner uh, with huge brands that use social influencers around the country and um, produce videos for social. And so we, um, we are very active in the social media world. And I think most of our followings are between TV and, and social, and it, it could be really powerful. So I love it because you've been do so the last couple years, everybody's doing videos and content, and it's kind of because the online video content's become kind of a popular thing. Evan's been doing it for a long time too, blogging, doing videos, and I'll chat with you guys about that in a second. But you've been doing this for a long time before it was popular. Before 1999. Whoa. Long wow. time. So you this were doing is, it before social media was really popular. Before it was called before social it, media. Yeah, yeah, so for, sure. for a long time, didn't even want to say I'm a blogger. Because, you know, when you're writing, I was in a fashion industry to begin with. And 1999, when I, my husband and I decided to start having children, I decided to stay home because I was traveling so much uh, for the fashion industry. And I started, hey, I'll open up Chicago Nista because, you know, fashion style in Chicago, which never happened it. to be that way. Uh, it turned out to be more about Chicago's. And in the beginning, we called it mover shakers and baby makers because we wanted to be like kind of a hip mom kind of yeah, thing. You know, I was sure. a newer mom. And but, you know, it didn't really turn out to be that way. And we've changed the whole uh, byline eventually to that. But, you know, it's it's again, it's. It's been a long time ago, 1999, even wow. pre-Twitter and pre-Facebook. So back then, our concentration was truly writing contents that people are more loyal back then, going in and making comments. And, uh, of course, all of a sudden, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So all your followers, there's, I don't think there's so much loyalty anymore in right. certain things because, you know, we're all on our phones, right? It's easier to be on your phone. And who really reads all that writing unless something goes viral? Nobody, nobody yeah, yeah. really goes in there or if you have a catchy line. But it's a great tool for linkage. You know, it's very important for a lot of news industry to be found because of search so those are really important. So, you know, over the years, a lot of things has changed in social media. And from the time that I was there, all of a sudden became, it's called social media. And mm -hmm. that was probably around 2007 when yeah. I started hearing the word social media. And there's social media club. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we have a new name now. Because for a long <laughs> time, it was new media. Yeah. So what I love is that you've lasted the test of time in that sense because it has ch evolved so much and now it's evolving exponentially every year social yes. media is kind of changing in the way they're doing things but you started before social media was giving great content then social media came around you kind of ebbed and flowed with how they were doing it and you're still around still successful i love that what made was it having kids and staying at home that made you want to do this or was it just you always thought i want to do something entrepreneur based and then you fell into it kind of like evan was saying he fe he knew he wanted to be an entrepreneur and then fitness was a passion was that kind of how you fell into it i too? think it, it kind of fell into it 
so when I, in the beginning, I was really writing about personal experiences, and that's how it sort of started. And with that, without having to make an effort to even promote it, um, I was found a community all of a sudden started commenting, and next thing you know, I have a followership of women who are pregnant for the first time, and I was talking about real life, and I remember Google started emailing, and they're looking for uh, social media women, not called social media then, but blogging women at that time to speak, and I thought it was a spam email. I'm like, <laughs> I remember not answering it for a couple of times, and they keep email, you know, emailing me back, and finally I answered, and then next thing you know, I was speaking in front of uh, hundreds of consumer packaged goods um, marketers, and that's when I kind of like realized, oh, I didn't know I was that influential. Basically, is what, how it turned around because they had so much question. How do you wake up in the morning? How do you choose a product for your baby? How do you choose a product for yourself? How about you know what do you do the next day? What makes your decision to buy certain things? And that's when it hit me. And then I started having a followers of mostly influencers, and I um, got with a whole group of Silicon Valley bloggers. And next thing you know, I was planning events. Uh, uh, annually for hundreds of bloggers around the country and I started working with brands that wants to be heard and um, get voices out there to talk about their brand and so that's when I'm like oh I can make money out of this yeah <laughs> and it's incredible because now you have you get a, a certain amount of followers they pay you to do things but you are innovative in the sense that that sort of platform to make a ton of money wasn't there now the blueprint of how to make money in social media it, it's kind of out there you were moving when there wasn't really a blueprint i always say it's fairly easy to be a successful entrepreneur these days it's simple it's not easy is what i say because the path to success is out there you just have to kind of consistently um you know, implement that plan. Actually, equated a lot of time to fitness. I, I tell people having a washboard set of abs or looking like a fitness. Evan's gonna punch me. Is not that difficult in the sense that it's simple. It's just not easy to be consistent for long enough to get there. And most people aren't motivated for long enough to get there. So they'll say, oh, great, I need to eat right, I gotta work out, and there's some variables. And I can do that for six weeks, eight weeks, but they can't do it for one year, two years, three years, four years to look like Evan does, or a decade or two decades to look like Evan does. And it's the same with business owners. Most business owners, the path to success in their business is out there. They just are not motivated and consistent enough day after day after day, month, year after year, you know, I'm nine years into my business and I'm still grinding along. Most people, they see a couple failures and they stop. You're maybe one of the first people I've met in a long time who you didn't have a blueprint to success, which is fascinating. There was no blueprint for you. There's been a blueprint for me to do everything I'm doing. I'm hardworking, but I didn't have to innovate. So what I love about what you've done is you're innovative. You had to innovate to get where you're at. I think I that's it. where we got lucky because we kind of uh, just do what we feel what's right. And I have to say it's harder for a lot of those wanting to focus on social media to get in because 
all of a sudden you have all this competition. So even for me, you know, with, with the laws and changes that's happening, people are understanding social media more now. And who's not in social media anymore? So you can't really determine which one is an influencer because everyone is. Everyone yeah. has a point about something. So it's a little different. So I, uh, my job as well running an agency is getting harder and harder because there's the micro-influencers, there's the real influence, so you don't know anymore. So again, you know, like you mentioned, I really lucked out in, in being there in the forefront where there's no competition yet, but now there's like 10 million and I'm bigger companies that does a better job than us and we just happen to be still around. And I so. think you made your own luck. I think, I think <laughs> every, everybody gets lucky and I always say it's being in the right place at the right time, but it's also doing the right things in the right place at the right time. I think the doing the right things in the right place at the right time is such a missed piece of it. And I'm gonna ask both of you this question because both of you are great content creators and great original content creators, which is super important. People share other people's content a lot, but I looked at Chicago Nisa, you guys have great content and Evan, you've for a long time been putting out just, and I remember you'd be up late at night typing content to put out the next day. Do you feel as though, and you touched on it, that reading has gone away a little bit and video is so powerful now. Do you feel like that's kind of where we're going? Absolutely. I think that's where the money is, to be honest, in the marketing end. You have to have the video to make it happen. The thing is, we're, we don't, we're not as focused as we used to be. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a quick video out there, it's, not, it's really hard for people to, you know, wanting to sit and, and read. <laughs> Yeah. You know, everything has to be quick and easy. And I think that's why that's why we know we're successful when it comes to like one minute videos. And, you know, no one sits for 10 minute videos no. anymore. And there's a lot of you YouTubers out there yeah. who has a great following who actually does 15 minutes video. But I always wonder, do people really sit through the whole 15 minutes? Because I know I certainly don't. Yeah. No, I love it. And Evan, you did a lot of video stuff too. I yeah. mean, you look good on video. So pe- people were watching Evan. Everyone <laughs> that's, would be shirtless. That's a big plus. Everyone that's would be shirtless for sure. Anyway. <laughs> so the viewership was very high, but your content was great too. You, a couple of times you would do kind of written content and then also video content to go along with it. And I love that. Do you feel as you've transitioned to video is a huge piece of it? Yeah. Well, actually we started with, with video. That's where we, that's where shy town really, you know, got a lot of traction. If you look at some of our, you know, older videos, a couple million views and they are probably 12, you know, 15 minute videos. Um, partly because of the kind of content that it is, right? It's a workout video. You kind of need to see what the next exercise is, et cetera. Um, But we always took um, what was relatively unique then, but not so much now. Some of the, you know, graphics works and things like that that we did to really put our minds in the, from the perspective of the viewer and really kind of think about it from a UX, UI standpoint, like, what do they need to know? How do we make this truly, you know, compelling, interesting and keep them, you know, coming back? But it, it always kind of came back from a place of not how are we um, creating viral content? How are we creating content that is just inherently useful to our audience, right? Um, I think if you kind of operate from that standpoint and you get really good at doing it, um, I think there's going to be a lot of variability in terms of the channels that you use, in terms of you know what kind of response you get. But I think that fundamentally you can build an audience when that is your 
your kind of ethos. I love it. The thing about you two that's very natural too is you're both very good on video. I've seen you on video and I can tell already you're <laughs> incredible on video. One of the things I get a lot of pushback from with my agents is, and I coach them all the time, create video content, create video content. It, it, this is where the world is going. You have to create content. And I see they're shy. They just won't do it. And there's one or two that'll do it and it takes off for them. But most of the people are very shy about it. And they're just like, well, what if I goof up? What if I don't come off well? And I see that happen all the time in business. I'll ask you both again. This is a great roundtable because you guys touch on so many of the same um, topics so well. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody who wants to do video but just is a little bit nervous about doing it? See, I, I always get questions like that. So, well, first thing is you always have to have a story. You know, unless you, if you go on camera and not have a focus on what you're one, two, and three, it's just going to be a babble. It's going to be a nonstop and people will turn off. So that's one of my first tip. The second tip is you don't always have to be on camera. So, you know, if you feel you're not comfortable and you're not pretty like him, I mean, I, there are times that I can't do video because I just don't feel like I want to be on video at that time. But if my video is about this card right here, then focus on the card. Talk about the card. Love focus that. on it. But make it move. Make a story around it. That makes it more interesting. And that's why those tasty videos are fast and easy because they're interesting, but you don't see the faces. See, I, I think it. that's sometimes where people get confused because they want to be known as the face, but it won't really matter if people click off. And if you're not, if you're not um, confident about it, then don't do it. It just, it's not going to translate well in the camera. I love that. Yeah. Evan, how about you? Yeah, I, I would second that. I, obviously, I deal with this a lot. I mean, with our, with our coaches, the vast majority of, of coaches and trainers that we get certainly enjoy being on camera to, to some degree, but there are definitely, you know, ones that don't. And, and our, you know, philosophy, because um, we do produce a lot of content, particularly with this new platform that we're building, um, we will just, you know, if you don't want to be on camera, that is fine. There are several other ways that we're creating content that is useful for our members, right? Even if that's as simple as like creating helpful infographs, right? Or creating animated videos. I mean, there are so many helpful tools that you don't have to be a videographer to create necessarily that you can do without you having to actually be on camera. But I, again, I think it always comes back to this point and why we spend so much time doing persona mapping and who is our audience and why are we creating this specific content for them. I think a lot of the other particulars kind of fall into place once you kind of have that figured out. I love it. Great tips by both of you guys. I never even thought about that because I coach it all the time. And one of the things I coach is just do it. You'll get better at it. And because I was nervous when I first started in college and law school, if you asked me to get in front of five people and talk, I would have shelled up and got very scared. Over time, and I, you know, when you're an attorney, you're stuck doing trials, you're stuck doing hearings, and there's a bunch of people watching you, and it's high stress. So I feel like I got better at it. And even the first couple times, I used to do this thing called Main Street Mondays with Mo. I think Evan may have seen it at the time. I used to sit this iPad right in front of me, and I used to just speak to people. And my first couple times, I was so nervous. And as time went on, I kind of loosened up and got mm -hmm. better at it. But I never thought that maybe just don't focus on you focus on something else mm -hmm. and both of you uh touched on that and i love it and again you're right it's know your audience and have good content i feel like what you said mj 
if you don't know what you want to talk about, you're just going to babble. So I don't ever script what I want to talk about, but I'll have kind of bullet points of what I want to talk about too. So I love that. John, we're getting a lot of cool stuff from these two. Um, And so you're passionate about Chicago. I love this topic too, because I see too much crap in social media and on the news about people poo-pooing Chicago and it pisses me off because I think, especially in the summer, it's the greatest city in the world. I think it's incredible. Are you... Did you, have you been in Chicago a long time? Kind of a native yes, of Chicago? So, since 87. Okay. So it's awesome. been a while. I, you know, I, I love Chicago, but more importantly, I think how can you not have a great pictures of a photogenic city yeah. like Chicago? So it's, you know, Instagram for me, when it comes to Chicago, it's just something fun and easy, but it's something that I really love doing. And what I see some people uh, capture things that you, you've, it really translates. You could see if someone doesn't have a passion on something and they're trying to be just like another person who's doing it. But Chicago is one of my passion, and so I think I capture it really well. You and do. same thing with traveling. And I know Evan's been traveling pretty a much lot. everywhere. So I capture Not everywhere <laughs> I go. I mean, I video and, and, and take photos of everywhere I go. So it's like a wanderlust that I have uh, when it comes to um, the city. Do you have any trips planned? I do. Make Evan feel bad right now because he doesn't have one. I do. <laughs> I do uh, travel quite a lot with my family, so we're in okay. Hawaii every year. So oh, nice. uh, that's coming up soon, and uh, there's more to it, but a lot of it for for work. So. Is Hawaii your favorite travel spot? Uh, com- with, com- with a family, spot. yes. With a family. With a family. My uh, attorney in my office, Tim, who's a good friend of mine, he went to Hawaii for the first time last year, and now he goes back every year. And he was really bummed because two days ago, Costco had this travel deal that was 4200 bucks for two people, one week, flight included, at like a really nice resort in Hawaii. And I guess he was overworked and missed it, so he's like, yesterday, oh, it was yesterday, he's like, I missed booking it, and he was really upset, but I've never been to Hawaii, and I want to go. And Evan and I were talking about um, off the air, and I think you had just come into the studio, about how I'm bad about exploring places. I just kind of always go to Mexico, um, and now it's, I hear it's unsafe, so maybe I have to go somewhere else. Evan, what's your favorite travel spot? And you don't have anything oh, planned because you're growing a business, so I'm going to make you feel bad, and you're going to book a trip today, I'm sure. Yeah, as I mean, a lot of people probably say this, but it kind of has less to do. It certainly has to do with the destination that I've gone. I could give you a list of, of places that I love for very different reasons. Um, I think the experiences that happen there are a huge component of that. Um, but just to kind of answer quick, Amalfi Coast, I think, was so, um, I mean, we were all, even Rome, I mean, for that matter. Um, but running with the bulls in Pamplona, Spain. That's was right. You did that. Unbelievable. Question about yeah. that before you keep going. Yeah. There's a couple ways to run with the bulls, right? Like you can run out, take your photo, kind of cheer yeah. that you were with the bulls, and then you can keep running with the bulls. Did you do the full like you ran with the bulls for a while? Oh yeah. Um, really? So I was there with with two buddies, and you know before I think it was like 7:55 p.m. and or a.m. and 8 a.m. the bell rings and, and the bulls go, and we were in a good spot, kind of right in the uh, central square, if you will, kind of the beginning of the run. And, you know, the three of us kind of make this pack. We're going to stick together. There's a stampede of people going, <laughs> no et cetera. As soon as that bell goes, 
I hug the wall. They sprint. I don't see them for the remainder of the day because the bulls are still, I mean, you know, 300 yards back. We don't even see them yet. There's still a crowd of people. And I was not about to run into the ring, make it through this whole path without actually touching and seeing a bull, right? Because, um, again, there are very different ways of, of doing this thing. So I hug the wall. People are sprinting by, and I look to my left, and you see this kind of opening of people, and you know there's something in that <laughs> opening, you know? And just probably about six or seven huge bulls just running down. I got to kind of hit a couple and a um, couple very, very close calls because what I didn't realize is – you know, after running, we go to this, I think they call it like death's corner or something. It's this super sharp corner, right? And if you're not hugging the inside and you are on the outside, that's where all the bulls end up going against the wall, right? So everyone's kind of hugging the inside. We had a couple of slips there. One girl almost got, you know, hit. I grabbed her, threw her up against the wall, and we both hugged the wall. And after that, you know, wave of bulls come, which I didn't know there were waves of bulls, plural. <laughs> Um, we're just walking down. I think it's over, and I hear the bell go again, right? And this time, there's no like buffer behind me. No, you know, there's just people kind of walking around. Most people are in front of us, and I start hearing a couple people screaming <laughs> behind me. And sure enough, a whole another wave of bulls. I think there's probably like maybe four or five waves of bulls. So it was on repeat. It was a fantastic experience. I got very short legs, so they got to move very fast to get out <laughs> yeah. of the way. And I don't even like horses, so bulls for me might, might be too much. I mean, I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I love that sort of thing. But that's brave. That's very, very brave. You're a pretty active vacationer, though, right? You stay active. Yeah, on those kind of vacations particularly. Because, you know, again, I, I think... You know, if you're in Pamplona, you're some, you're not just sitting on a beach all day, right? right. Um, there's a lot of things to see. Typically, on those kind of vacations, for me, I'm in a city for maybe three days or so, yeah. so I want to really see a lot of things. For MJ and I, because I don't know if her and I are going to run with the bulls anytime soon. <laughs> not me. Being on vacation for most people just ruins their diet. So this is kind of an out of left field, yeah. you know, question. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of asking this, but we're on the topic. Any tips about, you know, you take a week-long vacation, how to make sure that you try to manage as well as you can staying in shape? Yep. Um, so a couple of quick things, and I guess you could apply this even, you know, over the summer if you have some kind of barbecue or something like that. Um, probably contrary to, to popular belief, if you just fast the first half of the day. Fundamentally, what, what matters is energy balance. That means the calories that you're consuming versus the calories you're actually expending, right? If we're looking at a pyramid or a hierarchy of importance, that's going to be the most fundamental part. The macronutrients, micronutrients, things like that are increasingly or, or decreasingly less important. Um, so if you just focus on skipping your breakfast, maybe have a cup of coffee, stay plenty hydrated throughout the day, push your first meal back to maybe 12 or 1 o'clock, what you're doing is you've now shortened the feeding window and the amount of damage that you can actually do during that yeah. time frame. Um, it seems like an overly simplistic strategy, but as you kind of already alluded to, Sometimes the best strategies are the sim are simple ones, and I think that this one has been profound. And then even when you break that fast initially, focus on fibrous vegetables and high protein. So if you can get a good piece of meat maybe, um, fish, and some kind of veggies, if you just focus on that one meal and like, you know, 
assure yourself that you can have something you know totally off and and splurge later on in the day i think that's a that's a pretty good strategy you have no idea how much damage i can do quickly yeah. with tacos <laughs> yeah. so but no i love that cuz most people get up on vacation and they have Oh, free breakfast, right? So they say breakfast is free at this hotel. So they go and they eat the breakfast right away, big continental breakfast. And then it kind of ruins that whole idea. For sure. So we're creatures of like relativity, right? And like, so if, if you wake up and you're starting the day with this highly palatable, very like flavor rich meal, a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of fat potentially. You are setting that as the bar, especially if you're kind of like in this pleasure-seeking, you know, uh, state. Yeah, you're trying to like eat more flavorful meals throughout the day. You're just going to continue to set that bar a little bit higher. Again, I've just seen this play out like time after time <laughs> after time. Not you got a camera myself, following yeah. me when I go on vacation. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a unique uh, knack for for timing. I've been told with uh, with our members. One of the things I used to be afraid of was I used to work out with Evan, and we both lived in Streeterville and not in the same building anymore but i would walk across the street to grab something fast food and i'm like evan's gonna see me walking <laughs> in here to eat. and one time i was walking in the subway when I, we were working out really aggressively to get jamie my girlfriend a sub and i got a text i look at the text and evan goes what are you doing walking in a subway <laughs> i'm looking around he's watching me and you were you had seen me walk in and i felt really bad mj do you so you do a lot of things and your days are very, very busy. Do you structure your days ahead of time? Do you have like a structure to how you're doing it? Because I feel like there's two types of entrepreneurs, one that kind of just kind of flows with it and then one that really structures it. And I think both. for the most part, you know, I have teenagers. So yeah, uh, sure. it gets to be a really, really busy morning. I have a college bound kid who's, you know, dragging himself like two more months and we're done with school but at the same time you know it's i i have to wake up a certain time to get them ready for school even though they're, they're old enough so those are first and foremost for me and then once they leave um that's kind of where i start reading my email uh i eat breakfast read my email at the same time and i know they said not to do that but that's the best way i can do it um oh well i read it in bed first before i get up in the morning and then for the most part i i i try not to really answer any emails in the morning first because i wanted to knock down a couple of things in my list what happens to me is Every time I go to my email first, then nothing gets done. Mm -hmm. By the time I get to the middle of the day, I realize all I did was answer email, and the stuff that I need to knock down, are, you know, it's too late by that time. So I really try to push the email until like in the afternoon just so I could knock a couple of things down. I love that. So one thing I do, I felt the same way as you. I get so many emails, so many voicemails every day, and... I felt like I was falling behind. So I would respond to anything I felt I could respond to in that moment. And then at night, one of my rituals before I go to sleep is I go back to midnight the day before, basically the morning of. And I respond to any emails that I had missed along the way when I just don't have that much to do so that I can make sure that everybody gets a response from me that warrants a response. Um, and that really helped me because I agree with you. I had a lot of trouble managing time because I would take these things and in real time try to respond and realized nothing I'm doing is life or death. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. Some things can wait. And I think that was a big learning piece for me was I, I needed to realize that 
everybody wants your attention right away, but some things can wait. I'm not going to be unprofessional and not respond, you know, in a, in a right amount of time, but some things can wait. And this kind of, and I know John's looking at me like, and it's crazy that we get through these hours pretty fast. Um, we might go a little bit longer than an hour, I guess, on this one because uh, we have so much awesome content. But uh, kind of brings me to asking you a, a piece of advice for somebody who's just getting into the business. And it can be a social media related, uh, content related, or just a general piece of advice for somebody who's trying to be a business owner now. Uh, you know, I think... Uh... Social media is so easy to get to. Uh, I really think that you need to have exposure to those things to help you. You know, I'm in the marketing end, so I think it's really important to be in all of those places. And sometimes, you know, you think Pinterest might not work for you, but really learn about certain things before you knock it off because uh, off your list because you'll be surprised the kind of of exposure you get from it and it's it's all different customers like I have different followers from Twitter from Facebook to Instagram so I'm touching on uh, different uh, generations of folks too from Snapchat to Instagram so I love it and Evan a a good tip for somebody just getting into business in general I've obviously seen you grow you know in the last decade and we've kind of grown our businesses together and your trajectory has been incredible so any tips for somebody um i'm gonna need another hour um (laughs) but i guess two things um one i I totally agree with with that point and i think that you should be trying to experiment and put yourself in situations where you can learn different things but then move quickly to being able to focus your efforts Mm -hmm. on something specifically because I don't think that you can truly understand the potential and the value of whether it's a specific channel or medium or even business until you can truly, you know, just focus your efforts in one place because I think that as clear as the path might be, being successful in entrepreneurship is still an incredibly difficult thing to do, I think, depending on what your degree of success is, of course, or what your metric is. Um, but So I think it requires everything in you to some degree. Um, and, and kind of on that, that note as well, be very uh, vigilant about who you're surrounding yourself by. I mean that not just Love in terms of professionally, but relationships, friendships. I cannot stress that part enough. And I've always been relatively good at that, but I think I can always get better. It's something I'm constantly conscious of that if you are perpetually surrounding yourself with people that are either, you know, directly, you know, serving as obstacles for the goals that you're trying to, to, to accomplish. But think even more pervasive and dangerous are the people that don't even pose themselves as clear obstacles, but people who are kind of just indifferent altogether and setting a lower bar for what you ultimately want to achieve, right? That doesn't mean don't have a diversity of people in your life, et cetera, but ensure that if you have a certain goal and your goals are big and ambitious and and somewhere where you are not currently make sure that the people that you surround yourself by reflect the size and magnitude of that goal i love that what a awesome piece of advice and i agree i've learned over time like you said not to write people off but who you surround yourself with is so intensely important what you do 
I could literally talk for 10 more hours with these two. Uh, there's so many learning pieces from both of you. I'm going to invite the viewers. We didn't do this the last couple of times, John, but going forward, if you guys have questions for our guests or want to link up with them, they both obviously have very successful businesses. Um, ask the questions in the comments section of our video. I'm happy to answer them. I'm sure they're happy to answer them. Real quick, before we let you guys go, though, A, thank you to both of you guys. Thanks for having us. Our charity, the Real Estate Rumble, May 17th, some realtors, some lenders, some construction guys and gals, they're going to punch each other in the face for the kids. There's going to be some fights. It's going to be at the Park West, May 17th. Tickets are still available. It does sell out every single year. Every single year, the week of, people start hitting me up, hitting Ryan Cotter up, hitting John up, saying, hey, do you have tickets? And I have to try to beg or try to sneak them in. They sell out. It's a packed house. All the money goes to an incredible cause. I don't know if there's sponsorship opportunities still left. If you're willing to sponsor the show or the event, let me know. I'll get you in touch with Ryan Cotter. Please, please show up. Uh, it's an incredible cause. Next Wednesday, 3 o'clock, we're going to be back. We got two incredible guests. We might actually have two of the people fighting each other on to talk crap <laughs> too. Hopefully, they don't get in a fight and ruin our studio. We'll have to enforce that, John. So we're going to have two people who are boxing actually show up. and Maybe we'll have a mom wrestle or something. <laughs> We've got the Rock'em Sock'em. Oh, we do. We have Rock'em Sock'em We've robots. Rock so we're going to have to Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> robots it in studio nice. before they get in a fight. But thank you so much for all the love. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the comments. John and I are so excited to be doing this. This has turned into the most fun thing I do. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that live because a lot of other <laughs> stuff. Where people because you're with like, me. What the heck? But I'm having a blast doing this uh, with our guests, with John. It's just, it's been a blast. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week at 3 o'clock. In 3, 2, 1.